Hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. I'm William Leonard, your host and investor here at Valor Ventures, a leading seed stage VC firm in Atlanta, Georgia. And today I'm really excited to sit down with Nick Santora, CEO of Curricula. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, William. Awesome. Awesome. Before we get going here, you know, for the benefit of our listeners, can you give us the the lowdown on Curricula and, and what you and the team are building here in Atlanta? Yeah, so our mission is to teach companies how to not get hacked. And that's kind of easier said than done. Uh, the way we do it is, you know, a lot of companies have to go through some boring death by PowerPoint training to try to learn about all different things they should be doing to stop tax. And we all know that boring death by PowerPoint isn't really that effective. So uh, what we've done is kind of created this story world with heroes and villains and characters to help communicate cybersecurity concepts to employees and get them to kind of have fun while learning. Interesting. Yeah, I know this is a a topic that is top of mind right now for a lot of institutions. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But, you know, Nick, what's your background? You know, how did you come to start curricula? What were you seeing or not seeing in the market that really compelled you to, to launch this thing? So I actually came from the critical infrastructure background as a regulator. So uh, I work for an agency called NERC, which is the North American Electric Reliability Corporation. And they're kind of like the IRS, but instead of regulating tax code, they regulate the power grid in North America. So I spent about seven years of my early career uh, helping utilities across the country defend against the bad guys uh, from compliance rules and cybersecurity infrastructure, uh, advisory, different things, audits, stuff like that. And that is where I saw the problem. That is where I saw that there was massive utilities that we all rely on to keep our electric up and running so we can live in the world we live in that were implementing tons of technologies and uh, antivirus and software and things like that. But when it came time to teaching employees about all the bad stuff coming their way, it was, you know, Sally from HR slapping together some PowerPoints and hoping that employees learned from that. So when I saw that happen over and over and over and over again, decided to make a business focused on, well, how do we take all those boring PowerPoints and translate it into something fun and understandable, specifically for utilities, is actually how we started. Interesting. That's a, um, you know, I didn't, I mean, obviously there was a space for regulation of the power grids, but it's just not something you hear about every single day. And it's so critical to to the to the everyday life of the Americans. So that's interesting. Um, and, you know, kind of digging in a little bit more to curricula here, you know, what is the practical day-to-day look like for you, you know, and, and who is your end customer that you're helping to serve here? Are you serving enterprise? Are you serving startups, uh, mid-market? Where are you seeking to insert yourself at? So we're in a unique position where uh, if you use a computer, you are vulnerable and every business uh, uses computers today. So, and they have employees using those computers. So it's just gotten a lot easier to be a criminal. And because of that, now, every time we hire someone or introduce an email account or an employee to the situation, our risk goes up. And the companies that we serve are all over the place. I mean, Yes, we have our niche of where we focus on, which is a lot of kind of SMB market uh, customers. But, you know, we have anyone from casinos to healthcare to Fortune 100s to many startups, uh, you know, and every type of vertical you can think of, because this problem exists in every vertical. 
where we focus a lot of our energy is on kind of the product-led growth model, Dropbox, Slack, and Calendly, things like that, where you can just go to our website, sign up with a credit card, get started without talking to anyone. Uh, so a lot of startups are now starting to embrace security awareness and training online as part of kind of their core business, right? You know, with, with everything that happened last year, you had no choice. You had to embrace an online training or some type of communication platform. So we're in a very interesting space, let's put it that way. Yeah. And, you know, you think about the the current environment around ransomware, cybersecurity attacks, things like that. And you think about some of your customers. I know you mentioned you're working with a, a number of startups. And, you know, SOC 2 compliance is a, is a big step for software startups. And, you know, a lot of people aren't as knowledgeable or they just don't know where to start when, in terms of kind of implementing this, this training into their business. And so can you speak to what some of the startups out there need to consider for SOC compliance? And then are you also helping growth stage companies as well with this? Yeah, the good thing you mentioned that because I didn't want to bring up SOC too, but it is a, a trigger event that is happening in our industry that I've never seen before. And the only time I've seen it is the reason we started Curricula was to focus on the NERC compliance stuff because there was a, an event with something that people needed with a deadline and million-dollar penalties associated with it. SOC 2, if, you, if people are unfamiliar with it, is a way to build trust amongst two different companies when it comes to protecting the customer data and security controls of, the, of that customer. So in order to do that, you can fill out a giant security questionnaire that has a bunch of answers that you may or may not be accurate, or you can get uh, those same questions done in an audit over a period of time to make sure you're not only doing the things you're doing, you're maintaining them. Not easy. And most of SOC 2 was really designed for some of the larger startups as they started growing and got to series B, C, and above mm -hmm. because they had money and they had resources to kind of spend on that and the trust was needed at that scale. Uh, we are starting to see companies of four employees go through SOC 2 now. Mm -hmm. We are actually going through a SOC 2 by nature of just kind of this this market elevating because everyone's requiring everyone else to have it. Right. And if I can give any advice, SOC 2 is a compliance check the box exercise. I'm not saying that to, to be uh, argumentative about it. I'm saying that it is a compliance framework to follow. Right. It is a, a list of things you should be doing. You can go above and beyond those. You can do them in a way that uh, you deem necessary because you're going to get audited to those. But Anytime compliance is in the situation, there's a lot of uh, heartache from a founder's point of view of like, ah, oh, we got to do it, spend more money and do another thing. Mm -hmm. Well, the beauty is, yes, all of these things are designed to be good for your startup. And by the way, security awareness training, what we do is actually part of a SOC 2 audit, a core part of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. So talk to us about the, the core of the security awareness training. Like, what does it practically look like for your customers? So uh, depending on the size and maturity of your organization, a lot of companies are kind of seeing this for the first time. And you know, to move from a death by PowerPoint world to something like this is exciting because it's, it's fun and different. The typical kind of uh, employee or customer onboarding experience would look something like this. You sign up on the website, you put in your credit card, you get going. Now you, you land inside a curriculaville, which is our world of kind of all these stories. You have episodes you can pick from, kind of like Netflix. So covers all the topics you want your employees to learn about. 
phishing, social engineering, ransomware, passwords, uh, confidential information, privacy, you name it. And we tell those topics in a narrative format, which is actually you know, like an episode. You're watching a story of characters unfold and you're learning what could happen and what hackers do with that information so you can kind of build that mental marker and then not have that apply in real life because you, you've kind of experienced an event of your own. Well, we make those episodes. We kind of have an in-house content creation department that builds these episodes for customers. So you go in, you pick your episodes, which ones you like, you customize them, things like that. You, you set an audience, which could be your all your employees, hopefully, throughout the year, and then you launch it. And what that does is it drips out different episodes throughout the year, kind of like you're releasing a new season of your favorite series on Netflix. And it gets employees kind of talking about this. And that that's the whole point is that they talk about it. They, they laugh about the characters. I mean, I got, you know, we got stickers of all the characters we send out to customers and stuff like that. Um, but then the beauty behind all of that is training's training, but it's all about the effectiveness of it. So inside of our software, we have an integrated phishing simulator. So it allows you to act like a hacker and you can build a simulated phishing attack to your employees in a safe space and then see which employees may or may not fall victim to a cyber attack. If they do, we help train them automatically for you to get them up to speed to hopefully prevent this from happening in real life. Yeah, I love that, how you're taking, like you said, this this Netflix-like approach and releasing episodes and really engaging the employees at the particular company to really understand the what's on the line here, right? And you, you mentioned this at the onset, like the, the incumbent solution to this is a traditional boring PowerPoint, right? That people sit through and likely fall asleep in. So I think your, your approach to engaging is is really interesting and you know as you think about this entire landscape you know how do you see curricula situated differently from other competitors in this space as well there's uh yeah you're right i mean even the biggest one in the space with hundreds of millions of funding and it's boring it's the worst it's the worst thing and it's it's kind of you know uh, i always look at it almost like the salesforce equation where it's like if you ask anyone about Salesforce, they say it's the worst, right? But you need to have it. It's one of those things where it's an unnecessary evil. It doesn't need to be like that in, in our industry. And for some reason, everyone's thinking it's turning into that. So we're we're hitting the pause button on the entire industry and saying, stop going down this route of complexity and angry employees. And let's rewind. And let's talk about how do people engage with any content today? Well, they watch videos on YouTube and they watch streaming things at home and they have fun and they talk about things. So we're just kind of doing that. And I think our niche in the market is by being ourselves. It's by being fun. It's by being kind of charismatic about this whole issue and not trying to be kind of, um, you know, the, uh, the, the stick approach when it comes to training. And if we do it in that way, we've seen great results with all of our customers as we're continuing to grow. And I think that's made a real difference for the people that have embraced kind of a more innovative and new approach to training in general. And I think where we're going to see ourselves go and where any companies are going to go in the future is our pocket, I would say, of kind of who we're focusing on is the smaller and mid-sized companies that can't afford an IT person to mm-hmm. wear 19 hats that also has to build training. Um, it's for the small startups going through SOC 2 as they grow. It's for the Slack and Calendly and you know Dropbox adoption of the world. Employees should be able to enjoy their experiences with the tools we give them. 
if they don't, they're not going to use them. Mm -hmm. So why are we trying to force people into a bad experience from the get-go when it comes down to the most important thing for our businesses, keeping it secure and protected for all of our customers and our data? Well, if we play a, a strong part in that and build kind of our community, we think that we're going to build kind of a future on hopefully others following in our footsteps of not mm -hmm. delivering death by PowerPoint for, yeah. for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I think any business that tries to kind of build a moat around that is just not going to be successful going forward at all. So, you know, shifting gears here a little bit, Nick, you know, curricula is at the Series A stage and, you know, that's not an easy feat to get your business there. And I'm curious, you know, do you have any advice for founders who are maybe at the seed level how do they know that they're ready to go out and raise uh, Series A capital? So we're probably, yes, the unusual case. Uh, we bootstrapped for, what, five and a half years. So if that doesn't tell you something that is different than, than anyone else you see, did it take us longer to do things? Absolutely, because we grew a real business. And I think that's the biggest piece of advice, depending on the direction you want your business to go, is do you want to grow a real business with real customers and real revenue? Or do you want to shortcut that to be able to innovate on someone else's dime? And we chose the former because we wanted to kind of really hone in on the real issues and spend the time mm -hmm. throughout these years to, to learn. I think that was invaluable. I think mm -hmm. that uh, what I see our competitors doing, they're trying to cut corners and take shortcuts, but they don't truly understand the problem mm -hmm. because it's very rushed on making answers for it. Uh, so I would say for us, that's our only first and only round of funding. So mm -hmm. uh, very different. We didn't do a seed, kind of just did it through customers. Yeah. But, you know, my best advice would be kind of if you, it doesn't mean one's right or wrong. It means understanding your path forward. And if the problem is very apparent and out there, speed is probably more up your alley. If the problem is dramatically changing an industry and thinking of something totally different, you might want to take a little more time before you start coughing up equity to someone else to spend your time and money on, on that. Because at the end of the day, you're going to look back and say, was that the right decision on going fast? Or did we absolutely need to go that fast? Or could we have saved around at the beginning? Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So you think those are some of the core factors that really led you all to bootstrap instead of going out and raising really early stage VC? I think it would have put too much pressure on us in the wrong direction to just quickly come up with answers. And I think there was still a lot of understanding the real problems out there. Um, and then once you figure that out, then yes, pour mm -hmm. the gas on, you know, figure, figure it out from there. But uh, without knowing the actual problem, it makes no sense to keep your head down and start creating answers because our industry problems change every single day. So uh, you, you need to kind of be aware of what you're building towards and be efficient as a business owner along the way too. Yeah. I think it's interesting to think about bootstrapping a startup. And you, you mentioned some of the, the positives of bootstrapping. You, you kind of had that autonomy to build at your pace. Um, but, you know, you've obviously seen the other side of the coin. I was wondering, are there any downfalls to, to bootstrapping a startup as well? Stress. <laughs> I mean, we could have done all this and I could have been happy as a hippo the whole time on someone else's dime. Um, so absolutely, that's number one is stress and pressure is all of it is on you because if you don't get customers, you don't get to pay anyone. And we took no payment for myself. I took it for what, probably two years of, of no salary to kind of keep the boat afloat. 
um, while fronting some money out of my savings to make sure that we kept the boat afloat. So uh, yes, very stressful financially and emotionally because it's all on you. And the the second on that is speed, right? It, it We could probably have done what we did in half the time, right? To get to where we are right now. But in order to do that, we would have coughed up probably a huge chunk of equity to, to do that. So we just decided not to go that route and uh, just kind of go at our pace. And I, I think ultimately I, I'm happy the way that we landed of where we are, but you know, if I had to rewind again, I still don't think I would change it. But I, I think if I needed to change it, those are the things that would have changed is speed and yeah. stress. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's, that's pretty unique insight there. I, most founders I speak to have raised that pre-seed seed series A, that traditional succession of funding. So I think it's interesting. I think our listeners will get a lot of insight and value out of your thoughts there. So, and, you know, I want to get a little bit macro here. You think about all the cybersecurity, all the ransomware attacks that have happened over the last two years. It's, it's been a plethora of them. And so, you know, what is your take on kind of the, the state of cybersecurity right now? And are there really any areas for innovation that need to really insert themselves to, to prevent these ransomware and cyber attacks? It's a nightmare, right? And this is, nothing's been different. It's just been like this. Just the news is now talking about it constantly. Mm -hmm. The bigger the company gets, the more focused on compliance. So what we see every time there's an event, like the pipeline, now immediately regulations come out and then compliance, and then they have to hire compliance people. And then the compliance person's job is to meet compliance. And then you get bigger and now you need everyone to do compliance stuff. So what happens is that you start to focus on the right intentions at the beginning, but then the wrong intentions in the long haul. And that is kind of where I see SOC 2 going right now, where there's all these vendors that are outbounding people and we're working with a lot of them to integrate with, with curricula into their software. But one of the things that some of them do is just focus on just crushing compliance out of the way uh, without a care in the world about the actual effectiveness. I can tell those people right away. I'm not going to talk about them on, on here, but then there's ones that are doing really well with, there's a reason behind the intention of this compliance, and we're actually going to make your security posture better. So on the smallest scale, I would see startups are starting to get a taste of compliance as early as four employees, mm -hmm. because they, if you want to work with a big company, you got to go through these. In order to change this for the better, I think we have to start Compliance can't be everything. And we got to stop talking about all of this stuff as the only answer where it's like, oh, do you have a SOC 2 report? It's like, yeah, yeah. And then you hand it to him. And he's like, great, you're fine. That, that means nothing. That means right. you're just doing bare minimum stuff. Like we were just going through one this morning and I was laughing about how they asked for some specific control framework. It's like, just answer yes. Like, cool. Show him, show me yes answer. It's like, you kind of answered it and then you can provide evidence for that. But does it really mean you're more secure? So in long to answer that question of how do we stop this in the long run from a macro level? Well, we got to start focusing on the things that matter. Mm -hmm. And yes, there's so many innovations that are coming out, but the attacks that we see in the news and the majority of these attacks are not stuff that happens like from the movies where it's mm -hmm. like these crazy complex things. It's a simple phishing email that comes in and an employee clicks on it. So if the majority, 90% of all cyber attacks happen because of mistakes of people, well, heck, that's why curriculum's here is that let's focus our energy on the biggest ROI items, such as employee education, to reduce the risk of these happening. 
Mm. If we do that and try not to drink the ocean, I think we will see the numbers go down dramatically. Yeah. Okay. Good. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, as we wrap up the conversation here, you know, you obviously chose to build curricula in the city of Atlanta in Georgia. Was there a particular reason why you chose this city to build? And, and are you a native of the city of Atlanta as well? Yeah, I actually grew up in New Jersey my whole life. So I came down to Atlanta in, what was it, 2011, sometime around there, because the agency I worked for relocated Mm. us. So when I relocated, I had a bunch of friends that I met down here, and one of them worked at the Atlanta Tech Village. So came into the Tech Village, took a tour. I was like, this is so cool. People were walking around in flip-flops and t-shirts and things like that. And uh, as I was kind of came up with that that idea moment, I figured this is the place I want to be. I want to be connected to this community. So we decided to kind of build the, the headquarters, the core here, but we have employees in Florida, California, Michigan, New York, New Jersey, uh, all over the place, Denver now. So we're, we're remote, but embrace this city because I just think this community is awesome. I think there's more stories to tell. And um, we're just kind of a very unique part of this community that I don't think Atlanta has anyone like us. Yeah, I know. I think Atlanta is a very special place to build a startup, especially over the last five or so years. And looking forward, you know, you see the companies that are going to be relocating here. You see the university talent. You see the the venture funding that is flowing through this ecosystem here. I think it's just all right for for innovation and a lot of successful companies to be built here. So, you know, I'm thinking, okay. I'm hoping Curricula is going to be in that bucket as well. And really excited to 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 kind of watch you all progress. And you know, a lot of our listeners are founders at the early stage. You know, how can they get in touch with Curricula to to learn a little bit more about your your offerings? So yes, you will go through a moment when you do need to do security stuff for SOC 2. <laughs> when you hear that word, uh, think of us, it's www.curricula.com. You can watch episodes. It's, it's pretty inexpensive. It's like 50 bucks a month to train a, a staff of 25 people. So it's, uh, I call it circus peanuts pricing because it's <laughs> literally super cheap. But yeah, it's, it's all in the right time. And I think it, my best advice for any type of early stage founder is focus on what matters when it matters. So if you want to spend time, spend it in the right place because you cannot buy time. You can get funding, you can get money, you can get all kinds of resources and stuff. But if you want to be resourceful and you want to focus, then you got to say no to a lot of other things. Yeah, great advice. Nick, thanks for joining the podcast today, man. I think our listeners are going to really enjoy this episode. I appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. You know, we're not just a podcast, we're a community, and we'd love to see you at one of our digital or physical events. Go to valor.vc and sign up for an event that makes sense for you. We have events for founders and the investors who back them. Another event you might enjoy is Startup Runway. The Startup Runway Foundation is a Valor organization that provides $10,000 grants to founders who are women or people of color building next generation software products. Applications are free, and we'd love to hear from you at startuprunway.org. That's startuprunway.org. And as always, thank you so much to the organizations that make this podcast possible. Not only Valor Ventures, but also Right to Market 
a tech marketing and PR agency in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Startup Runway Foundation, and Atlanta Tech Park, Valor's headquarters, and also headquarters for over 100 local entrepreneurs building global businesses. See you next week. Please bookmark the podcast and join us.